As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So welcome back to Killer Queens. If you are just joining us, do not even listen to this episode because this is a part two of a two-part case. So you're going to want to go back to part one, you know, the drill. Um, but if you've been with us, welcome back. And we're getting ready for part two of the Dior Coons Jr. mystery. Let's go. Last episode, we talked about kind of the more general overview of the case, the timeline of the day. So at this point... And the discrepancies. Some of the discrepancies. Well, an overview of the discrepancies. Yeah. So at this point, public support has turned away from the family. Um, Because you can't BS a BSer. That's exactly right. And... They have told, it's like if they were brought in 20 times for an interview, there were 20 completely different stories. That's a pretty big deal. It's kind of impressive that they were able to come up with that many different stories. It's kind of true. I mean, really. The other thing is they failed a bunch of polygraphs. Now, nobody, I don't think anybody in the true crime world, in the podcast world anyway, puts any stock in a polygraph. Yeah. But... It does not look good. It doesn't. And the fact that Klein said that they failed... Everything except their names. Yeah. Like, like they, even if... are you, Can you be honest about this? Right. Because what Jessica was saying in one of her interviews, when they were like, well, why'd you fail the polygraph? She's like, well, I'm nervous. And I'm a grieving mother. And anytime Dior gets brought up, my heart starts to race and all that kind of stuff. I, I can see that. But if you can go in there, I feel like if that's the situation and you're nervous and you know that's what you're going to talk about... Then even answering questions like your name, you're going to have like a spike because you're already, you've got anxiety or whatever. Right. But she's not doing that. While I don't think it is indicative of necessarily, it's not like you can be like, well, they failed a polygraph, put them in jail. But I think it just, when you take that coupled with all of the other factors that are surrounding everything, it all puts together a little bit. It just brings another piece into focus, kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, if they were, if they seemed completely legit and honest and it made sense to believe what they were saying. Right. And then they failed the polygraph. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be like, well, book them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've thought about like all the different ways to kind of go through the timeline. And, and in the last episode, we did really more of a vague timeline a little bit. And the more I thought about it because of how many different stories there are, and there's four people on, on the mountain that day or wherever the fuck they were. So it was like technically a valley. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
so there's four people, four different variations of timelines. And that's natural, right? If you and I were to describe everything we did today together from the time that we met up, there it would sa- it would sound a little different because it's from two different perspectives. Or if we were talking about our childhood, oh, there are big gaps of time that you don't even remember. Mhm. Like most of it. Right. Yeah. So I think it's natural to have a little bit of that different perception or whatever. This is a whole different ball game here. So I tried to think about the different ways that we could go over everything, and I just decided that Groundhog Day is the way to go. Okay. So we're literally, I'm going to take the same day, and I'm going to tell it from four different perspectives in order, not only four different perspectives, but then each of those stories. So you're going to get like a lot from some of them, Jessica and Bernal specifically. Mm-hmm. We're going to start with Jessica. Jessica said they slept in the back of the SUV the night before Dior went missing, and they were woken to Isaac beating on the window, remember saying, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey, which annoyed her. And she specifically made a point to say that really annoyed her because they were sleeping, and it, you know, I'm sure you don't want to be woken up, like, jarred awake. That's definitely really annoying. And plus, they don't really know this guy. Right. It's not like it was Joey's neighbor. (laughs) Morning's here. Exactly. It's not like lulling you awake or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you bring in such a detail and you make a point to talk about how that happened and, and you remember it because of this. So that's like that anchor in your memory, right? Well, first of all, everything that happened this day should be easy to remember because it's the day their son went missing. But for other people, say like a witness that they talk to later for whatever reason, and, and you're like, do you remember what you did on this day or whatever it is? You've got to, typically you want to have something big that happened then. So I remember specifically this day because it was the day after Christmas, or I remember this day because my anniversary was the day before and we did this or that, whatever it is. You want to have an anchor to help you remember. That's what this story seems like. I specifically remember he woke us up with wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey because it annoyed the shit out of me. And I didn't know him. I had just met him like all these I things. I would never forget that. Yeah. And she says this was 8 to 8.30 in the morning. In a later statement, and remember he was holding the spatula. It seemed like he was cooking breakfast, all this stuff. In a later statement, she then says that after they woke up, she cooked breakfast And then she says at 10 a.m., she went to the bathroom, she started her period, and she said she needed to get feminine products from the stage stop. So they drive the half hour to 45 minutes into Lador to get the feminine products, except that in this story, she says that they drive to the stage stop, and she thinks that that's what they're going there for. I thought we were going to get tampons, but then Vernal tells me, no, my first priority is getting diesel fuel. And so she's like, well... Not even because they're on empty, but just to top it off. Right. To see how much we have. And she's like, well, I mean, I guess I've waited this long, so I'll just keep waiting. That's not... That's not the way that the cookie crumbles there. That's Mm. not the way that that goes. No. They ask somebody at Stage Stop where to get diesel because they can't get it there. And so that's when she says, you know, that they get directions to other places or whatever. She says they went down a gravel road that had nothing on it, so they turned around and they found a feed store with diesel. Then she mentions in another statement that the person at the stage stop told them they'd have to go get diesel, 
across the street, and then they'd have to go over to the Clover Creek Motel to pay for it. And remember, in Vernal's written statement, they did have to pay for it somewhere else. So Phil Klein is like, okay, well, let me go check that out. There's not a Clover Creek Motel in Lador. It's like two towns over or something. Uh-oh. There's not one there. Why? He's like, why say that? Yeah, anytime he's talking about it, he's just like, you can tell all he wants to say is, am I taking crazy pills? Like, yeah, what the fuck is happening? by yeah. this. Then they drive back to the store. Jessica says she got Dior out of his car seat. They go in for tampons. She says she helps Dior pick out his candy. Then she goes to the restroom. And then she buckles Dior in the car seat and gives him the potato wedges. She says they arrive back to the campsite at 1 p.m., around 1 p.m., Isaac and Bob had been fishing, and they tell them about the fish they caught. They get their fishing poles, head to the water, ask Dior if he wants to come or stay with Bob. He stays with Bob. They say Bob is turned like he's acknowledging he'll watch Dior, and Dior walks toward him. She walks a few more feet, turns around to make sure Dior is still there, and he is. He's still with Grandpa. She says they're fishing for about 20 minutes or so and exploring the creek area. She says their dog is with them. She talks about that area of land in the middle where, you know, they walk across. In some statements, Vernal is with her, right there with her. They're walking together. In other statements, and this happens a little bit later on, then she starts saying that Vernal was not with her, that he was at his truck with Dior for the 20 to 30 minutes that she was fishing. Wait, wait, wait. That's a, that's a big difference. Like, that's a whole fucking different th- day. Yeah. You know, it's not just one little detail. Mm -mm. That's a big fucking change. Mm -hmm. Like, and that I believe that happens sometime in like January, maybe of 2016, because Vernal calls Klein's office and there's audio recording on uh, Klein's Facebook. They have it released. Vernal calls and is talking to one of the investigators and he's like, what the fuck? Like, Jessica told me that she told one of the it may have been an FBI agent or something. That, and this whole time, they've pretty much said they were together. He was like, now she's saying that I was at the truck this whole time. And he was like, that's not true. And the investigator's like, well, why would she say that? And he was like, I don't know. That's what I asked her. But I'm starting to get really worried because now she's just like changing stuff up that never happened. And she just told me that she was under pressure and, you know, she cracked. Like, she didn't know why she said it. She just cracked. And the investigator that he was talking to was like, well, I was not pressuring her at all. I just said, walk me through what happened. And that's what she said. So at first, in her written statement, Vernal's there with her. And now, months later, another one of her stories is that Vernal was not with her and that he went to the truck with Dior. That's just unreal. For 20 to 30 minutes or something. Completely goes against everything that they've both said. Yeah. And she says that she doesn't see him at all during that time. In another statement, Isaac is with them fishing. Now, remember in the written statement, they said he just pointed out to where and then he kind of walked away. And, and then, then he when, came back later. Yeah, when she when they were up there looking for Dior, then Isaac came up and was like, hey, what's going on? Well, in another statement, she says that all the three of them are there fishing together and Isaac is with them the whole time. Again, why? It don't make a no sense. No. Jessica says that she hears Vernal screaming from the campsite, but she can't understand what he's saying. She says she drops her fishing pole where she stands, runs up the hill. In some statements, they search for 15 minutes. Some statements, they search for 45 minutes. The window is fuzzy there. Okay, so who called 911? 
I came down the trail and I looked at Vernal and I said, we need to call 911. We need help. And I said, we need to call 911, honey. I don't know where the hell he's at. He's got, he's got to be right here, but we need help. And Bob says, no, you don't need to call 911. You don't need to call anybody right now. Did you tell your grandpa you're going to call 911? Yeah. What did he say? He said, that, well, yeah, you have to. Did Jessica ever ask your opinion on calling 911? Did they ever say, you know, do you think we should call? Was it a discussion or was it just like, you no. know, should we call right I mean, now? Should we look a little bit name. more? I found out that they called after they'd done it. We have differing accounts of the 911 call from even just from Jessica herself. Well, I was going to say because it seemed like Vernal called first and then Jessica called after she called her mom. He was already on the phone with police. Yeah. So, yeah, because Trina says. She told her to call. And then we also have statements from Jessica saying, okay, I hear Vernal yelling. I dropped my fishing pole. I really, 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 really want to know if they found that fishing pole right there where she says she was standing when they got to the scene. I can't find that anywhere. It may be like in a file because Klein is still holding a lot of stuff back for prosecution purposes. He's like, I don't want to just release stuff that they may need in court or whatever. But I would really like to know where that fishing pole was because she makes a point to say that she dropped it where she stood. So I would like to know that. But she says she drops it. She runs up and immediately he's like, we can't find him. We can't find him. And she's like, well, we've got to call 911. We've got to call 911. There's so many times where she says it was her idea. She says it was that she called her mom first, that Vernal kept saying he was going to call and he hadn't called yet. Like all these things. She does confirm, in some of her accounts, Vernal's account of him driving up the road, right? Because she said it in her written statement. He needed um, the service. Yeah, that he needed service. Um, but in other statements, she's, she doesn't talk about that at all and just says that she called and doesn't mention him driving anywhere, that he's just walking around looking or whatever. And then, you know, like we talked about, in some statements, she talks about the dog being there. And in some statements... She doesn't. I mean, in the in the written statement, she made a point to say that she smushed his jacket or whatever, or shirt, it, up it, to her blanket. nose. Like, oh, blanket. Like, he, she was a tracking dog. I don't know. I don't know that I could do that. I don't know that I could take one of my kids' blankets, make my dog smell it, and then she'd be like, all right, let me go find it. Like, she's not trying to do that. Well, yeah, my dogs would never. They would be like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Why are you rubbing things in my face? Yeah. I mean, it feels good, but like, what's happening here? Like, I don't know if it was a trained tracking dog, maybe, but I don't, I don't think that is inherent in every dog. No. It's like, okay, if I smell something, I'm supposed to go find it. They don't know that naturally. I very highly doubt that they've been training dogs for tracking. Right. And we just don't know about it. But, you know, she makes a big point to say that in one of them. And then in other statements, she leaves the dog completely out. And she posted on Facebook after all this happened at one point that because somebody said, somebody asked her, like, what the fuck? Your dog was with you? Like, how come nobody talked about that? And she's like, yeah, our dog was with us. Uh, Grandpa's dog was there, too. And she's like, we had her tied up most of the time because she kept trying to bite Isaac. And she said that she started acting totally weird after little man went missing and she wouldn't even eat until Sunday. And they're like, oh, poor puppy, you know, all this stuff. But it's like, and whatever happened to that dog? Because it's like the last mention of that dog ever. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know where the dog is. I don't know if they still have the dog. They got rid of the dog. Like, I don't know what happened to it. 
you know, how many times did they say, okay, Vernal says he's going to call 911, and then he and then he comes back and says, okay, now I'm really going to call 911. Okay, now I'm really going to call 911. Right. Like, it's just so weird. That's kind of, most of Jessica's discrepancies come with breakfast, come with I buckled him in the car seat, specifically, mm-hmm. and the account of getting search and rescue there. She also says at one point that, because um, Klein asks, did you ask Grandpa about calling 911, like his opinion about calling 911? And she was like, yeah. And they're like, well, what did he say? And she's like, well, he said, well, yeah, you, you have to. Like, you've got to call 911. We can't find him. Because when we get to Vernal's account, that's going to be different. So there's Jessica. So then we have Isaac, whose story has stayed essentially the same. Yeah, he seems like a normal, happy, outgoing kid, you know. When did you get up for the day? Was it in the afternoon? I thought about noon or so. What was going on then? When I, when I, when I woke up, they were Jessica and Dior, and Jessica, Dior, and his dad were all heading. They were going to head up to the store. And I was down there fishing for a while, and... That's when I noticed Bob was up there on the ridge walking, pacing back and forth. So I asked him what was going on, and he said, Little Dior is missing. And I was like, What? Well, where, where did he go? I better start helping look, help look for him. His account is that on that morning, he woke up at noon, not even morning, noon. Everybody was already awake. They were at the campfire. They'd already had breakfast at that point, and Jessica. Vernal and Dior were going into town. And then when they came back, well, he said that he and Grandpa fished for a while together. And he does confirm that he did, in fact, see Dior at the campsite and that he was alive and well the last time he saw him. And that's pretty much been his statement. Like, they interviewed him several times and his statement never changed. Like, they think that he has been the most truthful because nothing ever changed. Nothing wavered. He's just like, I don't know what happened. Like, they don't think that he knows what happened specifically. Um, and Isaac has been described as simple. Um, he he doesn't have a driver's license. I mean, he at this time he was in his like third, maybe late thirties maybe early 40s and he's hanging out with bob who's like 80 years old mm-hmm. um he had been hired at one point to do like landscaping or something for bob and and they lived in the same neighborhood and they got to know each other and they became friends and he had a little bit of a criminal past more little like petty theft kind of things he didn't seem like a violent person and he kind of just didn't i think he has some disabilities um developmentally or otherwise i'm not really sure what but I don't think that I don't think that he would have any reason to hurt the child. Um, but I do think that maybe he could be persuaded to believe that maybe he recalled something differently than how it happened. Kind of like a making the murderer. Maybe. And I do wonder a little bit if he has such an allegiance to Bob that if Bob says this is what happened, he would be like, okay. I don't know. I yeah. mean, I don't think he'd lie on purpose, but I think he could be maybe made to believe that maybe I'm not remembering correctly, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
Vernal says that by the time that he got breakfast cooked and everybody fed, so now we have three people who cooked breakfast individually and fed everybody. They all only ate once, as far as I know. <laughs> it's about 10 a.m. He says they drive into town. Bob asked them to be back by 11, which we said couldn't. Yeah, it yeah. never could have happened. Yeah, so it's probably just misspeak. He says he wanted to top off his diesel truck, and then, you know, they went to the one place. It only They only took cash. He continues into Lador, found a place that's out of fuel. Then they drove to the third place. He told him to drive back. And then on his way there, he said that he had misunderstood the directions. They took the wrong turn. Jessica corrected him. They turned around. Vernal says all of that stuff took about an hour, give or take. And Phil Klein is like, hmm. You can see all of Lador. Like, you can take it all in and one, you're just looking at it. Like, yeah. there it is. You just turn around and then you see yeah. the rest of it. It cannot take you an hour to drive around Lador. It cannot. Unless you drove eight towns over at that point. Like, he's like, there's no fucking way it took them an hour to drive around that. And mind you, Jessica started her period two, three hours ago now. And she's just like, okay, take your time. Like, whatever. Top it off. You're not even out of fuel. It's it's not like we made it to the stage stop. It's not like you had to get it before we went to the stage stop. And we even pulled in the parking lot to ask. It just kind of seems like either she's the most patient and amenable person ever. Or he is crazier than a shithouse rat trying to think that she's going to sit there Mm -hmm. with that problem and just be like, well, I've waited this long. Yeah. It's not how that works. (laughs) Uh, I'll just buy all new clothes and we'll replace the seat in the truck. Like, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So then in another statement... He says, you know, he go, they go to get the diesel fuel or whatever, and the guy comes around, he calls him 5'9", middle-aged, red hair, whatever, and um, he says he gives him the fuel. Well, in another statement, he goes on to say that that guy um, taps on the window, he looks at Dior, and he's like, oh, hey, and like talking to him and kind of playing with him, you know, how like, I guess you'd maybe peekaboo or something. I don't know. They don't specifically say that he's playing with him, talking with him in the car, all that kind of stuff. And he also says that he starts filling up the tank, but runs out of fuel midway through. How much did he have then if he's just topping it off? (laughs) Exactly. But when police go back to question this guy, the guy is like, we've never run out of fuel. I don't know why anybody would tell you that. That's super weird. Um... I do remember giving these people fuel, and they're like, okay, so you remember playing with the little boy and all that stuff? And he's like, "Mm, no, I don't remember a little boy. They're like, well, did you see the car seat in the back? He's like, yeah, I saw the car seat. There was nobody in it. Okay, so now we're starting to hear people that we know had interaction with them, and they don't see the child in the car seat? Where is he? I don't think he was there at all. I I don't know. I wonder if... Because it doesn't take an hour to drive around Lador. And in one statement, Jessica says, and I believe this was in that six-part Little Man Lost, she talks about when they come back, when they're at the campsite looking around, and she said the search and rescue people were already there. She said that Isaac picked up a shovel that was at the campsite somewhere, and it had a blonde hair on the end of it, on the end of the shovel. And she said that Isaac picked it up and held it and was, no, she said he was running his hands up and down the shovel and the hair blew away in the wind. And she's like, I wanted to give that to investigators, but I didn't have a chance to. And now we lost that. Where, where was that shovel? Was that shovel in the back of Vernal's truck? Did they have a shovel with them when they went into town to get tampons? 
Because if it doesn't take you an hour to drive around Lador, did they bury him somewhere there? Right. Out in town? Because we can't find one witness in town that saw this little boy. They found a couple people that said, maybe I saw a little boy that day. There are people that remember interactions with Jessica and Vernal, and they do not remember seeing a child. That's very concerning. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I mean, if Lador is the size of your mother's Jack Russell, did we take cadaver dogs through there? Right. I would like to know that because they've been very focused on the campsite. I don't fucking think he's there. They, if, if they, they did a grid search, they touched every bit of, of land for however many square miles of that campsite, they would have found him. I really think they would have. And Phil Klein says the same thing. He thinks they would have found him too. So, yeah, I'm starting to wonder about that. Because then in another account, remember in Vernal's written statement, he did say that he saw the Budweiser guy standing in line. Yes. Well, in another account that he gives Phil Klein, he says that Jessica went inside to get what she needed. And he stayed outside with Dior. They didn't go in. And they were on the like front porch of the store. And the Budweiser guy comes up to make his beer delivery. And he bends down and he's, oh, hey, what a cute little boy and all this stuff. And so Vernal's like, oh, he loves trucks just like his daddy. I'm a truck driver. And he's like, well, why don't you come up and sit in the truck, little boy? And sits him up in the seat. And, you know, they're looking at him. And he's like, oh, this is so great. And all these things. And so they find the Budweiser guy. And the Budweiser guy is like, no, that never happened. He's like, first of all, that's against company policy. And I would remember putting a little kid in the seat of my truck because I would get in huge trouble for it. Well, that is such a big lie to tell. Like, it's it such a big make lie. In any sense. No. And then the Budweiser guy is also like, oh, and by the way, we make deliveries in the back. We don't come through the front door and park in the front parking lot. So that, that none of that could have been true because we don't do that. So, and he, he says, I do remember seeing Vernal that day. I don't remember a little boy. Mm-hmm. I didn't see one. It just really seems like when they say when you're lying and you want to make it more believable, so you just embellish. Mm-hmm. But then what gets you in trouble is you don't, you, you don't can't remember. remember it. Exactly. And sometimes you just really go crazy with the embellishments. It's like, mm-hmm. wait. Yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> like another way Lou that... Lou Pearlman, like the stuff that he was saying. Mm-hmm. And that's another way that police can tell whether or not you're lying. Because like they said, your general, your high points of the day are going to match up, right? So either he saw a Budweiser guy or he didn't. Either he had interaction with this guy or he didn't. Maybe he had interaction with him and later he remembered, oh, and you know what? He put him up in the truck or whatever. Right. Or, oh, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. that comes into focus a little bit later on. But whether or not you had that interaction isn't going to change. With these people, every there's nothing safe from from changing. Right. It's all up in High the air. High points, details, everything. Yeah. So Philip Klein ended up taking that that window, you know, because before we were talking about a 1 p.m.-ish to 2.26 p.m.-ish time frame that he went missing. Phil Klein says, I don't believe anything they say from 8 in the morning until the search and rescue got there. So 4 p.m., Because they could have been on the phone with them and still been, you know, doing something. Like, you don't know. So he he moved the timeline back to the day before. He's like, I think whatever happened either happened in the night or the day before. Because from 8 a.m. on, you can't believe a fucking word any of these people say. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all up in the air. Why make such big, big stories? And nobody nobody can can 100% confirm they saw the child that day. Except 
Vernal, Jessica, Bob, and Isaac. And none of them are telling the truth very much. Oh, and yeah, he's like, we high-five the Budweiser guy. All this stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff. Then we talk about the fishing. So Vernal says they're fishing for about 20 minutes. He walks back up the hill. He calls to Bob. Where's Dior? Bob says, I thought he was with you. Vernal says that Bob showed no emotion whatsoever when he learned that the child was missing. And he said, um, don't worry, he'll be found. And he said, well, I think we need to call 911 because we can't find him. I've been looking for him for a while now. I can't find him. And he said, you don't need to call 911. He'll be found. Don't worry about it. Like, don't don't take that step. It's that's too far, basically. And, you know, he's just around here somewhere or whatever. But then they turn around and ask Jessica, did you ask grandpa about Colin? Yeah, he says, you have to. You have to. That's so that's such differing. Yeah. And then later, stories. the only 911 call that we have released is Jessica's. But while she is on the phone with him, Vernal does end up calling like, either he was already on the phone, or they call about the same time at that point, and he had hightailed it down the road or whatever, the second time, if that's to be believed at all. Um, but there was a third call, and it was Grandpa. So, Vernal's saying, Grandpa says, you don't need to call, then why did he call? Yeah, exactly. It's not been released, but, like, none of that matches. Who? Why? I just, why? I don't understand it. So then we have Bob's story, and he's, you know, pretty tight-lipped about everything. Jessica says at one point, you know, I think that Grandpa is carrying a lot of guilt about this with him because he was, he was the one that was with Dior when he went missing, and I think it's affecting his health pretty badly, you know, because he's not in good health anyway. And so they asked Bob, do you harbor any guilt about this? Do you feel, do you feel badly, you know? He's like, no. Um, I mean, it's, I'm sad it happened, but I don't feel any guilt about it. I wasn't close to that kid anyway. Oh, my God. It's like, well, I mean, it's a bummer. Yeah, hate it for him. Not my problem. How can you even say that about your great-grandchild? And Jessica's like, oh, he loved little man to death. Like, he just, he loved him. And they were like, were you affectionate with the child at all? And... He was like, no, no, sir. I did not give him kisses like the women. Eh, eh. Mm -mm. That sounds believable, actually. Yeah, I wasn't close to him in any way, shape, or form. Wasn't really a big deal. And so they talked to her, and they're like, Jessica, we feel like, you know, you're his mom, so you should know that, like, your grandfather says he doesn't, he's not really that worried about it. He doesn't feel guilty, and basically, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but he wasn't affectionate with the child. He wasn't close with him in any way. And she's like, I mean, if it's my grandpa that's guilty, like, I just, I don't even care. Like, I just want to know where he is. I just want to know where he is. Like, she says that in one of the videotape statements. And some people made a big deal in some of her videotape statements that her eyes are closed. And if you don't see the whole thing, you wouldn't understand it. But they do actually have the full video, I think, on on Klein's Facebook page, but he says to her, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture, like, they basically want you to go back to that moment and you've got your eyes closed and he doesn't want her to open her eyes through the whole thing. And he wants her to try to picture everything and see, you know, if there's anything that maybe she sees in her mind's eye kind of thing that maybe she didn't see before. 
So but the a, eye closing thing is out of context for some people. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people are like, what is she closing her eyes for? She's guilty because you don't close your eyes unless you're lying. She's trying to avoid eye contact. And in some situations, I could definitely see that. But he very specifically was like, close your eyes and keep them closed. So yeah. if if you see any videos and you see that and you're like, oh, shit, she's closing her eyes, it's because he told her to if you're not seeing the whole video. And then the biggest contradiction for Bob for me is him saying... I didn't know I was supposed to be watching him. If he ever said to Vernal, I thought he was with you, but then he's telling law enforcement and everybody else, I was turning my head to check on him every once in a while. And then I turned away momentarily and I come back and he's gone. That's huge. Which is it? Are you watching him or not? Did you think he was gone or did you think he was with you? Unless when he turned his head and saw that he was gone, he thought, well, maybe he went up to meet his dad. Maybe, but... Yeah, I don't know. But if if that's the case, nobody ever says that. He never says, well, I just figured when I didn't see him that he'd gone with his, you know? Right. Like, right. that does make sense, though. But I wish somebody would fucking say that. Right. To me, all just of these... I put, just because we made that connection doesn't mean that that's what he in, yeah, yeah. intended. Or, but you have to look at all the possibilities. That's why I like talking about it, too, because it's like sometimes people will be like... Oh, what about this? I'm like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, that's a total we possibility. We are like super close-minded and really... Yeah, I, I would be the definition of tunnel vision if I was uh, an investigator. <laughs> um, probably. Just kidding. But um, it's, to me, what I feel like is happening with all these different stories is, I think we talked about this maybe yesterday or something, but I think what they did was they said... If this situation actually happened, if we actually did go into town, if I did drive and the kid was with me, if we were um, going, whatever, here's what normally would happen. So it would be like if Andrew and I say today, for whatever reason, um, my kids slept over somewhere else, but for whatever reason, I wanted to lie to you about that. And I wanted you to believe that I had my kids this morning and I took them to daycare or they went to daycare. So I would be like, well, um, you know, woke up at five this morning and I went ahead and got ready and um, Andrew got coffee and he did his yoga because he's really trying to stretch right now. And um, I went up and I got the kids ready and I warmed the car up first to make sure because it's very cold this morning. And I put them in the car and I drove them to their daycare and then I came back home. But if you ask Andrew what happened this morning... He would say almost the same thing, but he drove them because in his mind, he's thinking, well, what would a typical day kind of be like? I, I would drive them. So, well, we got up this morning and I did the yoga and Torella got ready and Torella got the kids ready and I drove them because I'm going to work anyway. And I said, you know what? I'll go ahead and take them. You don't have to do it. Um, okay. Well, who took them? Me or you? Well, because that situation didn't play out today. And my mind went to how it normally would. That's why I feel like they both said they buckled him in. Yeah. Because I feel like they're both being like, okay, well, if I have him with me for something, I'm going to be the one that then I have to include that I buckled him in. And that normally would happen. And like, there's, there's been a lot of like Q&A with Philip Klein online. Uh, He's done a lot of like Facebooks about it and stuff like that before. I think he's kind of not doing quite as much now, but people would be like, okay, well, what about when they said this happened at the campsite? Or what about when they said this happened at the campsite? And he says, his response to that is, the situation you speak of is myth. It did not happen. Oh, wow. So he, like, he doesn't, I don't know where he believes Dior is, but he doesn't think any of the shit happened that they said happened. 
and, and I, I'm leaving that. I mean, I, I can see that because what it seems like they're doing is saying, if I had him today and he was my main responsibility, what would, what actions would I have taken? That's what I'll tell them I did. But they didn't talk to each other first. And so they didn't say, make sure you say you're the one that buckled him in because I, you know, or make sure you didn't buckle him in because I did. It could not have happened both ways. Like, either she went in the bathroom and you buckled her in or she went in the bathroom and you guys waited and you were on the phone with somebody. Or, you know, like, and then you have the receipts for the stage stop. So do they talk about paying twice ever? No, never. No, they sure don't. But here's the thing. They do. So there's two receipts for the stage stop that day. The first one is at 12.18 p.m. Here's what they buy at 12.18. Arizona DT green tea. Gross. (sighs) Coke 12-pack can. Krispy Kreme. So there's those donut holes they talk about. Rockstar energy drink. Car adapter. So... Jessica had been texting her mom the day before saying that she forgot her phone charger and her phone was going to go dead. She couldn't talk very much. So they get a charger at the stage stop. And JoJo's, those potato wedges. There's no tampons. Not at 12.18. That's it. That's the whole order. Okay. Now at 12.24 p.m., six minutes later, we have Tampax Pearl, Swedish Fish, Tampax Super Plus, Charleston Chew, Chocolatey, Sour Patch Kid Assorted, Fish Swedish Red, (laughs) Mount Idaho Spud Bites, Snickers Minis, and that that was paid with $50 cash. So that would have been Bob's cash. That would have been Bob's cash because it was $19.74 total. 12.18 p.m., they paid $22 cash. I could get maybe why they would... I could get maybe why they would do two separate transactions if... One of them was for Bob's candy, some stuff for yeah, the campground. Yeah, they're paying for Bob with his money, yeah. And then they were like, well, we'll just get, I'll just get my stuff with, with our money. But that, that's not exact. that's not what happened at all. Because her no. tampons and everything were paid with Bob's money. Mm-hmm. Swedish Fish for uh, Dior. Then the other one, they bought the JoJo's. The JoJo's the- and, the- and remember in Vernal's written statement, he says, I went up to pay for the JoJo's and... A uh, little man wanted the Krispy Kreme, so I bought that too. But he says I got him, he wanted Swedish fish, and I got him the bigger bag of it. The Swedish fish are on the different thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're six minutes apart. That's definitely two different. One of them went in and paid for shit, and then the other one went in and paid for shit so that they were both seen in the fucking store by the cashier. Uh, to me, this is alibi. Mm hmm. It doesn't make any sense any other... I, I don't understand why this would happen. No. And then you have, okay, when did you guys decide you were going camping? When did that happen? So, Trina was asked about this. Trina, if you don't mind answering, when did they decide to go camping? Was this a planned trip or spur of the moment? Just wondering how many people knew of their plans. Trina says they decided to go about a week prior to. Okay. But in... And this is why the written statement I felt like was so important and the fact that she, Jessica, went all the way back to Wednesday. Jessica says Wednesday. That's when her mom was like, hey, do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Would you go camping with Grandpa? Vernal says that he found out Thursday about it. 
the day that they were leaving, when he was, remember she said he went to wherever to help his black foot or whatever to help his boss Jake with something? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. While he was at that thing, that's when he found out about it. And that's been confirmed with his boss. So his boss was with him when he gets a call from Jessica who says, hey, grandpa wants to go camping this weekend. Do you want to go? And he's like, no, I really don't want to go. And she's like, well, he wants to go and like we're leaving today. And the boss confirms that he was with Vernal when he got the phone call that says this is what's happening. This is what's happening. It's happening today. But she says they talked about it Wednesday. And then Trina says they talked they about, it a, about it a week before. Why? Somebody's lying, man. Yes, somebody's lying. And then later when the Klein investigations got warrants to like search the houses and everything. They say that they several of the items that Jessica and Vernal say that Dior went missing in, they were found at, at their house. So oh. they they had ended up getting evicted. They ended up not being able to pay after that. They stopped working. They're searching all this kind of stuff, which is understandable. They get evicted. And so they get permission from the landlord to go look at what all was left because they just left everything there. And they said that they found a camo jacket that they they said was extremely similar to the one that they say he was wearing. And the matchbox, car, matchbox cars that they said he had with him were at the house. And, and these were items that they said were missing that would have still been on him because they couldn't find them at the campsite. Mm-hmm. But they found them at the house. So that raised a lot of suspicions. I have seen some people on Facebook, like from Idaho, say... I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in that camo jacket because we have a lot of camo jackets. And one of them was like, I would consider myself a hipster. Like, I don't wear shit like that. But I, hell, I even have camo jackets because I fucking live in Idaho. Like, that's just <laughs> how it is. So I don't know. Maybe they had a bunch. Um, but the boots, you know, I, I don't know. How many do you have? I don't know. That was just one point of contention that Philip Klein felt like was needed to be looked at. Um... He said that what he believes happened was some kind of an accident. And I saw somebody on Facebook say, what if maybe one of them like rolled over on him in the Suburban and suffocated him and didn't know it? You know, they woke up and he'd passed away and they thought that they would get in trouble. So they wanted to hide the body or something. It seems like I don't I don't see any reason that they would have murdered him on purpose. That would seem out of nowhere. But it does seem like something happened, that there was an accident, and I believe that they hid his body in town somewhere. Yeah, I don't think it's at the campsite. It is, I mean, obviously it's terrible for somebody to, accidents happen, but to play it off like it was an abduction or something, you know, and Mm -hmm. get police involved and not just like fessing up to what had happened. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, there's some reason that they thought they were going to go to jail. And it may have just been like Phil, Philip Klein even said, a lot of people just don't understand what's an accident, like what would be prosecuted and what wouldn't. So maybe they just thought that the simple fact that he had died in their care, that they would, they would get in trouble for it. Um, but... I think that I think that something happened and, and it happened so closely with them coming back and being like, OK, well, we're going to go fishing like you got him. I got him. If they didn't really communicate that with grandpa, did he really see him if his back was turned when they got there? But Vernal even made the point to say he held up the bag of Snickers and said he wants candy and all this stuff. And grandpa's like, I don't remember that happening. Maybe it all happened so quickly that they were able to kind of tell grandpa like, yeah, remember we got back, we gave you the candy or whatever, 
and then he sat down and you were watching him or he followed us and then came back to you or whatever and he was like was that was that this afternoon was it this morning was it you know it He's probably low on oxygen because somebody in one of the documentaries made the comment, why the fuck would you take a man on oxygen 24 hours a day and bring him up to a high altitude where the oxygen, the air is thin? Your your brain can't work properly that way. There's Mm -mm. no way. Could something like that have happened where grandpa was just confused about when he said something? Or when he saw stuff and... I'm confused about everything. Yeah. I think he knew more. He's passed away this year, June. Oh. So we'll never know what he knows. But... I do think he knew more than he was letting on. I think so. Either he knew more or he knew that he was confused and knew that somebody said, just keep your mouth shut. I don't know. I mean, because it did seem like he and Jessica were close. And I think he would have... I think he would have done whatever he could to protect her. Mm-hmm. And he certainly didn't seem to care about the baby. Not at all. No, I, I wouldn't have given him a kiss. I wouldn't have hugged him. I wouldn't have touched him, basically. And he was on, he was on oxygen to the, like, he's not going to be able to get up and chase after a kid if he takes off running. It's, it, it doesn't make any sense to leave him with him. Mm-mm. It doesn't make any sense. And I think Isaac was just fishing and didn't really know what was going on and i feel like he could have been easily confused as to when the last time he saw the kid was too just in the confusion of all that happening at, at essentially one time mm-hmm. but that's that's the case they've, they've never found they've never found a shred they've never found a piece of clothing and that's the other thing how is there not and so, there are people that are like he never even went up there and somebody was like, well, what about that diaper that Trina said that she found when she went up there? Because they had put it... In she tree. said that she found um, that they had changed a dirty diaper for him on Friday and that she threw it away. And then in one statement, she said that she thought it was Bob's dirty diaper that she was throwing away. And hmm. somebody was like, wouldn't you know the difference between an adult diaper and a baby diaper? Like, the baby 100%. one's going to have, like, fucking Elmo on it or some shit. It would probably be smaller. Much smaller. Yeah. Like, ooh. What? And there are a lot of different, like the adult diapers, they don't have the the sticky stuff on the sides. They're basically, you pull them on like regular underwear. Yeah, exactly. And she says, yeah, Trina says, I have 100% confidence he was at the campsite. I threw away his soiled diaper in the church's garbage and all officers have that information. And then she says his diaper was from Friday morning at the campsite. So she's positive that that diaper was from him. But then in other statements, she initially thought it was Bob's. And somebody said the only reason she thinks she knows that that was Dior's dirty diaper is because Jessica and Vernal would have told her that. She wasn't, she did not see Dior there personally. And Trina has also been quoted in the documentary. She says that she was furious when she found out they failed their polygraph tests. She was like, well, what the fuck is that about? And then somebody asked her at one point, well, what would you say if you found out that one of them did something? And she's like, well, I've been proved wrong before. Like, she's like, to me, Jessica seems like a grieving mother. But, you know, if I had evidence of something else, you know, I've been proved wrong before. So she doesn't seem totally, she's open to something else having happened. Yeah. It seems like. And that's her own mother. So... I don't know. Interested to see what you guys think happened there. It's just, if he was up, if he was up in the campsite, 
No, I don't think anybody saw him Friday. So if he was up there the last time he was up there and seen would have been Thursday. And I'm not even sure about that because all they did was go to bed when they got there. And they said that they went to a restaurant, but the restaurant was closed. So nobody, you never see the kid get out. Mm-hmm. There was nobody n- to have eyes on him. Right. And there's no surveillance video anywhere in the town of Lador because why do they need that? Exactly. You know, nothing's ever happened there. Right. So sad. It is very, very sad. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children did one of those age progression things. So you could see, like, what he would look like now. Um, And there was, like, there was what somebody thought was a sighting of him in California. And there was, like, some kid that had been missing or abducted or something. And then the police released him into somebody's custody without doing the proper verifications and all that kind of stuff. But it was proven not to be Dior. It was not part of it. Um, I mean, there's other stuff in the case that, like, I mean, we've been talking on this sucker for three hours now, and there's more. But, um, you know, those are the main points because those other things ended up not having anything to do with it. So um, he's never been seen again that we know of. Um, you know, so if, if anybody's out there listening and knows something, call the Lemhi County Sheriff's Department. Let someone know. Yeah. And there's another private investigator on it now, a guy, David Marshburn, I think, maybe out of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he says that his cadaver dogs hit on something. And wow. that was within the last few months. So hopefully, hopefully we'll find something. I mean, he deserves to to come home. Because if he is still alive, he would be seven, almost eight now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if he's not, he deserves to be buried properly. Hit the rest of his family, like his grandmother, has a right to know. Yeah. Yeah. And the new private detective said everybody is meant to be found. Like, everybody should be found. Absolutely. Yeah. So, he's definitely working on it. But that's it. It's tough. I know. I hate it. I hate all of them, but... Yeah. It just sucks. Okay, y'all. Our last set of shout-outs for, like, right now while we get caught up. And then from now on, we'll just do them as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Tia... Weersma, Nicole Matson, Amy Derrick, Cole R, Katie, Shelley Roach, Janine Scott, Adrian Whipple, Jamie Lovinger, Angela Chase, Sydney Stewart, Shanna Kasky, Kristen, Ivy, Samantha Templeton, Chris Carter, Ansley, Erica McKnight, Michelle Workman, Kari Teagan, Corey Shellard, Megan Delane, Jen Sarton, Lisa Lovejoy, Adriana, Kimberly Carlin Sands, Dorothy, Jessica Ducasse, Kiki, Tori Cummins, Trisha Mitchell, Malia Mosley, Mary Frey, Melissa Casco, Summer Kohler, Katie Kuhn, Marissa Thomas, Lisa Horichnik, Shannon McGreevy, Haley Bailey, Carolina Maria, Cindy, Brooke Atmar Smith. Brittany Buell. Is that it? That's it. That's it. We did it. Yay. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening. And hopefully we will catch you on the next episode. Yep. Thank you. Bye. Bye.